Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Hello, this is the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. My guest today is Joanna Parson of Letter Perfect Transcription. How are you today, Joanna? I'm good. I'm very good. How are you? I'm good, too. And it's a pleasure to talk to you again today. You you always, you know, I love New Yorkers. We are upbeat. We have a good heart rate and a great smile. Joanna is a magna cum laude graduate of the University of Virginia in 1993 with a degree in English, and she was and is an Echo Scholar. Now, the Echo Scholars program is predicated upon the Jeffersonian ideal of freedom of inquiry. I love that. And the development, yes, and the development of critical thought. It offers special opportunities to undergraduates in the College of Arts and Sciences, believed to be, and here it is, among the university's most intellectually curious, broad-thinking, and self-motivated students, and its most avid learners, and that's my guest today, Joanna Parson. Again, how are you? <laughs> yes, I'm glad to talk about Echo Scholars, and I'm glad you brought that up, actually. It's a wonderful program. Well, tell us more about that, because um, n- not everyone is necessarily familiar with that. Tell us all about it. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's other schools have different kind of ways, uh, ways of doing their honors program, but for Echo Scholars, there is the ability to get into any class sort of right away. They prioritize uh, Echo Scholars' ability to, you know, to get into the, the most um, the hottest, the best professors. So I was able to mm. study with uh, professors, but I, I probably would have had to wait a long time and, and just at the right place and the right time to get into their classes um, without that boost. And then just having a community of people, they, they house you together at UVA. So you, you just meet and mingle with wonderful, smart people, mm-hmm. which is just wonderful. And then the, something else that's pretty cool is that they allow Echo Scholars to design their own their own major. I think probably a little easier than uh, other disciplines. So there's, there's just a lot of innovation of thought going on in that program. See, that's the thing I, I find so wonderful about it. 
because it, it's a throwback to the great coffee shops of, you know, centuries ago when the great minds would meet in a coffee shop and discuss the issues of the day, you know, uh-huh. not without screaming, yelling at one another, but they wanted to, to understand intellectually what was the genesis, if you will, of ideas and issues and challenges and how does one become an echo scholar? Is there, uh, is it a test, or do they simply keep an eye I, on you and go, "She's the one"? I believe they keep an eye on the applications and have a suggestion process. I, I personally had applied to the University of Virginia because I was nominated for the Jefferson Scholarship, mm-hmm. which is a, a beautiful wide yes. scholarship, and I didn't get that. But I, I think maybe they tag those, or I, I'm not sure, but that. I, I had this just wonderful surprise. <laughs> yes. the Echo Scholars Program. Wow, it's terrific. And still down to earth and, and approachable, wonderful person to get to know and to talk to. And, uh, you know, really, truly. Oh, thank you. Not that those abilities and being intelligent are mutually exclusive by any means, but both <laughs> complement one another, I believe. Joanna, to get to one of the big reasons I want to talk to you, uh, the or another one, letter perfect transcription. Tell us about that and why you launched it over what ten years ago with author uh, Ben H. Winters. Yes, letter perfect transcription is, is a transcription company. We, we take uh, audio and video and provide the written transcription. So it's a a team of independent contractors who are all just listening to words and typing them out. Mm. uh, We work with journalists and writers who Mm -hmm. are doing interviews for for ghost-written books or any other pieces of journalism. We work with a lot of businesses who need to use content uh, for business calls or any kind of conference. They want to, where they want to provide the content of the conference to people who weren't able to be there, who are too busy to, to watch an entire video, mm-hmm. things like that. And then the video production company and, and video production uses transcription to edit their, their work. So television, reality shows, documentaries, et cetera, it's easier to, to edit when you have the words in front of you. Ah. Um, Yes, and, and also uh, transcripts are used now with uh, different uh, video production software. They can upload a transcription into the software and it can create subtitles and, and other helpful ways for them to edit straight from, from their video as well. You know, it's fascinating, and I, I remember the first time we uh, made contact I mean, I know what transcription is and what is transcribing, but then the more I listen to you talk about letter-perfect transcription, I realize there's a lot more to it than I sort of had a, a flippant idea of, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've come across that a lot. Yeah, it's a strange little, it's a strange little thing, but if you... If you if you have a need for it and you come into contact with it, you see you understand how it, how it can make your life easier. Yes. And if you're a transcriber, you can, I mean, you can talk for hours about many different subjects because you're satisfying your curiosity and, and um, you know, just processing other people's language can be just really interesting. I know sometimes you have to clean up the act of uh, what's been said <laughs> at meetings 
when you transcribe. Is that one of the benefits of working with Left Perfect? That, that's true, yes. We can, we can eliminate stuff or put it in as per request. And, and I, I do know I have to sometimes tell my transcribers not to use thick as much as they would want because yes. they'll catch somebody, you know, the indication that somebody has, has purposefully or, you know, definitely made an error and we haven't corrected it. Sometimes, sometimes transcribers will want to prove that they're, that they're on top of things yeah. and be so annoyed with a certain, like, verbal tick that they'll, that they'll use thick. And I'll say, no, no, we want to make these people feel and look as intelligent as we can. So, yes. And you know it, um, and as you say, they do request it. I mean, that's why people come to you. They're not just saying, "Type what we said." They're saying we need you to um, make certain we are represented in the best possible for professional way. Even though sometimes in the privacy of a meeting or even shooting a video, people say and do things that they don't necessarily want to share with the public. Is that fair? Oh, You know, and I understand that because, in in course, doing radio, there are times mm-hmm. um, when I'll ask. It doesn't happen often, but when I'll ask a question, particularly of a politician um, uh, or an elected official, whether a politician or not, and um, and they will feel free to answer any way they wish, and then say to uh, me, "Now you take out those bad parts, right?" <laughs> and, and, of course, and of course, I do. Right? Uh, you know, and nobody exactly. ever knows that except they uh, they know, I know, and that's it. But right. uh, it happens. My, 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 my favorite transcript is a joke, as it were. It was, uh, you know, in in the New Yorker, they have those little um, little items sometimes at the end of articles. And, and one many years ago was from some newspaper, and it said, Arata, uh, the uh, congressman, in, in fact, said it was an us and them situation, not it was an S&M situation. <laughs> <laughs> that was a transcription error. <laughs> oh, Jake. Oh, well. <laughs> It, well, you know, lots can happen between the spoken word and then transcribing and then, of course, to listen. Because you guys are, as you, I think you said already, you guys are, are listening to people talking. And all the yeah. while the fingers are tapping away. Uh, that must require a certain amount of speed, yes? Speed, yes. And, and the ability to concentrate mm. in, a, in a very particular way while you're doing it. So yes, and we also I we we use I encourage the use of word expansion software, mm-hmm. which is essentially a way to create tiny little little macros for every word that you type, hmm. um, and it it'll pop up the full word. So so I for example have a macro for the I just type the the letter T put a space, uh-huh. and then I I have macros for things as long as you know what I mean, or you know what I'm saying, oh. or I just type YKM or YKS. Why? Um, because the people who do that are going to do it all the time. Yes. You know, who say that a lot in their speech. 
You know that I hadn't. Well, another here we are, second show, and <laughs> and you're still teaching me what transcription is. I hadn't thought of that, yeah. but of course uh, that uh, technical assistance would come in handy. Um, right, and it's, yeah. it's not it's not quite the same as, as the court transcribers use. They mm-hmm. they do sort of partial words in their own keyboard, but this is a way to kind of nudge towards that, towards shorthand on a regular computer. And I don't know if you'll remember, but the last time we talked, you said, and I use a lot of dashes, and I just jumped yeah. on that. I was so excited because... I use dashes when I write, and I've, I've said, oh, well, if Joanna Parson uses dashes, I'm okay. <laughs> Tell us about oh, that right. and how that works for your clients. <laughs> right, Joanna Parson and Emily Dickinson <laughs> and Marcello. Mm. Um, well, I train people to think of a dash as a pause in speech, as an um or an er. Mm-hmm. So people generally don't want you to type out an um or an er. Mm. However... When somebody does pause or give an um and an er, it's, it's highly likely that either the clause before that or what they say after that will be a fragment. Mm, mm, and mm. so you can go along quickly with a, if you put in a dash without even knowing, without sort of really mapping out the sentence, you're, you're sort of way more likely to be correct about the fact that a dash, which which should be used when something is a partial, is a fragment, it's mm-hmm. a fragment, that a dash will be actually the correct, the correct punctuation. Yes. Does that make sense? It does. To, <laughs> it does to me. It just, I just feel, uh, you know, I feel uh, justified by the, yes. by the way you explain it. But yes, it makes sense I, to me. I also have this thought in my mind. A lot of people would just put a comma there at a pause. Yes. And that's mm. going to create a run-on sentence. Yes. Then maybe you would go back and really try to figure it out. Exactly. But I think of, I, also, I, I have this visual image of where the comma is like, somebody is just talking really fast and just saying a lot of things and maybe it seems like an airhead. Whereas <laughs> a, a dash, <laughs> a dash is like, Somebody thoughtfully, like, rubbing their beard and gazing into the distance before they come out with that second part of the sentence. That's my visual. I love that, and you know, and I couldn't agree more. It, 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 it's exactly what you've already said, at least it certainly is for me. When I use a dash, it is because I've taken a moment and I want what I've just said has made me think of something and a better way or a further way to explain what I've just said, and that's why the dash makes that point. Otherwise, as you say, it's a run-on sentence. Okay, we're having... We're having a wonderful time, but I just want to make certain everybody knows while you are based in New York City, yay, uh-huh. um, and, and as you said, you work from audio and video formats, and which includes a wide variety of things many of us don't think of usually, uh-huh. but um, you have transcribers in all U.S. time zones? Yes, yes. Um, and, and what's your global reach? We have clients in Europe. We don't have any clients in Asia just yet, but yeah, we've expanded into uh, into some clients in London and Switzerland. And uh, I, usually, from the result of people moving moving there and mm-hmm. being loyal and happy with our work. Oh, well, that's wonderful. good. That's always a good <laughs> thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
So, so you, I guess there must be technologies constantly these days. It's, uh, everything change, changes, you know, every three to six uh-huh. months. So you uh-huh. keep up with those and, and the people who work for uh, Letter Perfect Transcribing must also keep up with that technology and be comfortable in using it? Transcribers should, you know, they have to, they're independent contractors, so they own their own equipment. Mm-hmm. They have to um, be able to troubleshoot for themselves, right? So, so you know, the, the most, one of the most important things for transcribers is the language processing skill, and then it's the kind of ability to make deadlines yes. um, by yourself. And this sort of, I don't know, nebulous sort of, I can't ask the question when I'm adding to a theme, you know, are mm-hmm. you are you are you savvy with with everything? Everyone's going to say yes, but yes. if they can make a deadline and sort of come into a, a bit of a problem and solve it themselves with with uh, just researching their own software, then they're going to be my favorite. Very good, <laughs> gotcha. I mean, deadlines—we're all up against them, and you ha- and it's a way of life now. It's certainly, yes. uh, it's just the way it is. Uh, regardless sure. of what you do, there are always deadlines. I often say as a, as a director, there are things that come up uh, to my attention in other fields. And when I, and I will turn to actor friends or actors I've directed or, or director friends and say, you know, what happens to us if the show isn't ready on opening night? And yet, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let's get real. Uh, we're going to have to go. But before we do, I want to make certain uh, one a good s- quick story, if you have, about uh, some of the, the people you've worked for and met deadlines, fill the needs of hundreds of clients, including mm-hmm. give us a couple, two or three or whatever you come off the top if you can. Well, uh, the Wharton School, we do all of their podcasts. Thrilling and interesting. Let's see. We were able to uh, transcribe for the um, recent uh, oral history of the Women's March. Mm. Also, wow. thrilling. Hyundai wow. um, Nest magazines, different different magazines. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's hard to pick some favorites, you know. Yes. Well, I would. Uh, wow, the Women's March. That must have been in in every sense of the word of magnificent. Uh, as in, in engaging and content, and of course the there must be emotions even in that. I can't imagine I could transcribe oh. something like that without being drained. What do you think? I can't tell you how much how often I transcribe cry. Mm. I yes. transcribe cry all the time mm. with pride, and and I, I mean that's another story. I, I was a transcriber through uh, through nine eleven, and and the emotions of that, and the intimacy of of transcribing um, the, yes. the survivors of nine eleven. Yes, it's always interesting. It's it's humanity. Sure. It's a human voice. Sure. Well, yeah. uh, before we go, let's get the website for Letter Perfect Transcribing and how we yeah. can, you know, reach out to you. Sure. It's letterperfecttrans.com. So that's letterperfect and then the first four part of the word transcription.com. And I'm Joanna at letterperfecttrans.com. Okay. Very good, then. We're going to take a short break. Please stay with us. We are speaking to Letter Perfect Joanna Parson. And when we come back, we're going to talk about her real day job. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Ask people what they want out of life. The most common answer? To be happy. This core truth has led to billions in profits for the drug companies who seek to control the opposite of happy, depression. 
untold resources go into the study of depression, so why is there so little study of happiness? It is just such studies that are explored in the documentary, Happy. This is an entirely entertaining film, and it is also a studiously presented advanced study of our most sought-after emotion. We learn that 50% of a person's penchant for happiness is innate, the chemical makeup that we are born with, and another 10% is our environment. That leaves an incredible 40% which is completely under our own control. We learn that the phrase, money can't buy happiness, is both true and false. It can contribute mightily at the most basic level, but after life's basic needs are met, it can also create a treadmill of want that has the opposite effect. Is that why the richest country on earth is by no means the happiest? So, what is the magic ingredient for achieving lasting happiness? Happy! Amazingly, within our control. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. My guest today is Joanna Parson. We've been talking, of course, about her uh, her company, uh, Letter Perfect Transcription. But as I said, she has another day job, her real job. And uh, Joanna Parson, tell us what that is. Well, I'm an actor. Okay. I'm in New York. I'm an actor and a writer. I have created a lot of um, comedy. I've worked, done, done a lot of comedic work, and um, yeah, that's that's the real secret deal. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I've done that, so I know how challenging that could be. And I, I was very lucky. I, I went up on a one-way ticket, one suitcase, and I won't go into it. I've told the long, longer version on radio a number of times. But, uh, but uh, you know, get that temp job and um, uh, and then go out and look for what you really want to do. And, and when you get it, having an employer that understands that that's your priority and uh, allows that to happen. Yeah. Did you have, tell us about those kinds of things in your life. I mean, I think that's so important, and I definitely think that my level of happiness in New York has a lot to do with the fact that I've been able to solve that that problem, mm. and also that I have a uh, I've lived in the same apartment for a long time. Oh yes. house kitchen, and that I don't have a regular commute to some dreadful place. Yeah, it keeps it keeps you room for the creative, you know, yes. spirit. To, growing and thriving. Yeah, so I, I had answered a, an ad for a transcription company that was placed in Backstage Magazine mm-hmm. uh, when I first arrived, and I had uh, I'd done a theater internship in Cincinnati. I lived in Cincinnati for two years before I moved to New York, and there, I think I had done some transcription as a, as a temp job mm. um, while I was doing that internship, so I had had that skill a little bit, and then I just never looked look back thankfully although I will say it's not the only I've, I've added other bizarre little jobs along the way as well I think like all, all of the actors I know yes um, I was extremely lucky because of the work I got to do and of course New Yorkers eat out all the time and I always did as well um, uh-huh. I, there were many actors I met who were waiting tables and wanting that great break and I always made certain uh-huh. I tipped well and respected them because uh-huh. because I was lucky I was just lucky uh-huh. oh, I think there's a, a couple of there's different personalities among actors who are 
working actors like some people do well in an office uh-huh. and and take the time off when they need to work during the day but other people really thrive in that in that nighttime job mm-hmm. wait, waiter environment where they're you know they get some energy out of talking to people yes. and going out so i i think it's it's like a distinct kind of group of people. Do you want to work during the day? Do you want to work at night? And you know, one thing I always thought that was great about that is that um, they're on a theater schedule, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> by working yeah. at night. Uh, and I always yeah. wondered about that. I mean, I questioned that too because, well, my I, again, my employer was um, um, a private independent manufacturer of clothing, and I okay. worked in his office as his bookkeeper which was something I never thought of, but I was so detail-oriented that he loved what I did, and when he found out I loved history, and he was history, that became a a wonderful relationship, and again, I was free to go pursue things. You started your own company. Um, uh, I mean, there you are in New York City. Were you born there? Did you move there? Um, I moved there. I I grew up in a very small town in in northeastern Connecticut Uh called Hampton. Wow. And you, so you move from this small town in Connecticut, and, and I love Connecticut, but it's very different in many ways from New York City, uh, although a lot oh, yeah. of people in New York City live in Connecticut. <laughs> yes, but not on, not on the side that I came from. Yes, I, I, understand, I understand. But And then you, you came to New York because you wanted to pursue acting? Yes. 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 Well, by that point, I did, with my stay in, in Cincinnati, I had gotten my union card uh-huh. and just sort of wanted to make a just a broader apprenticeship of the arts than, than you can in a smaller city. And I would say, too, that's a, a point to make. When I was starting out in New York, you could just go into a SAG and after um, an Equity 2, I guess I don't remember my experience with Equity, except I was a member. But I remember walking into SAG and after and you could write a check. And you were a union yeah. member, whereas, yes, I, I can tell. You take it. How is your experience and what do actors have to do now to become a member of unions? Well, I, I got points. So I had worked at a summer theater at our playhouse in North Carolina mm-hmm. and then in the internship at Ensemble Theater in Cincinnati. And then, so I would get a point a week. Mm. And I can't remember what the what the threshold was, but mm-hmm. it really is kind of a a, de- a good a pre- way of sort of logging that you're putting in your time. Yes. To become a professional, and I think that was called the Equity Membership Candidate System, and I believe oh, yes. that's still going on. Although I, I will tell you wrong if I if I know if I talk about how many weeks it takes. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely a question for young actors when they move to New York because there's also I'm a proud proud union member of all the unions mm-hmm. um, but there's a there's a time in a young actor's life when there's a lot of non-union work and they want to try to do that while still you know understanding that they eventually need to become a professional yes yes um but i always knew that i would i would i was a, I was a lifer and i would have wanted that union card yeah. as soon as i could get it fantastic that is so great. Well, you are, you are uh, as we talked about in the first segment, you are a, a driven intellectual. You are talented in many ways. And the fact that one says, okay, 
what do I want to do? You know, I always tell actors, acting is in large part borrowing on not only the playwriter's or screenwriter's experience written on the page, but your life experience married to that. So here you are doing a little temp work as transcribing and boom, what was the light bulb that said, hey, I can own my own company? I think the, well, the light bulb was unemployment. <laughs> <laughs> it works, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it's, it's amazing as a motivator. <laughs> I think in a, in a field like transcription and many others, you realize, actually, this applies to everything. You realize, mm. oh, I've built up relationships mm-hmm. just by being sort of steady and doing your doing the best you can for anybody you ever work for. You know, just keeping your head to the ground. You, you build up quality quality relationships. Yes. And, and also, I had um, for a while I was a I hosted a show called the Happy Hour Salon, which was a variety show in New mm. York. Uh-huh. And I did uh, did it twice a month for about five years. Oh wow! And yeah, it was great. And and in from everything from a club El Flamingo, which is kind of fancy, to like a dive bar called Siberia Bar. <laughs> and because and at that show, I gave away ten minute slots for new work development. And I would and it was of different genres. So I would give a lot of writers, journalists that I just happened upon and. I would give them time in front of a microphone to start to try storytelling or to read something. Mm. And I, I realize now that that was a part of my building relationships in different fields as well. So mm. I knew a lot of comedians and musicians and theater types and writers, importantly. Yes, yes. Wow. You never know what, what turns out to be important for Ex- different reasons. Exactly. I find out constantly still... Uh, even in uh, going to different places, even getting lost sometimes, within uh, less than a month after such things happen, I need that information that I garnered at that time, whether it be the person I asked directions of or that road is now a road I needed to go down so I'd know where I was going the next time. It's a, and, and, you know, we need to be also, to get back closer to your point, we need also to remind ourselves we all know a lot of people and yes. and, and you know giving and 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 brainstorming is always a two-way street you don't just take but but you know people you meet people and then and suddenly and you think without context you don't realize oh th- this is you know this is a tremendous relationship here mm-hmm. what, do, what do you think yes. jump in well i think i've just recently uh musical theater teacher that I that I know who has quite a community, built up quite a community, has started a book club and she she suggested people read the book Reach Out uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, which is an excellent book by and I'm gonna read go to my book shelf right now because I forget the author's name, Molly Beck. Oh yes. Yes. Um, and it's you know, it's about networking and, and of course it's totally different in this new era than mm-hmm. it was when I was coming up and then when you were coming up. Yes, definitely, sort of, for know, me. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I realized that, and, you know, my mother was a community organizer. Uh-huh. And, like, all of, uh, so all of these, um, all of this theater brings people together. Anytime, anytime you're bringing people together, you're, you're accessing a network of, of goodwill and mm-hmm. like-minded something. Something mm-hmm. brought people together in a, in a room at 
you know? And, and uh, yeah, I think that's really important in developing relationships that will, that will help your career as you need it. And, you know, theater is such a collaborative art. So, ah. so it's built in for us, and for that matter, film and television, that you come together and there is all this brain power, whether it's over a yeah. cup of coffee or on a set or in rehearsal, and their emotional uh, impact. And, and, of course, if you are a person who is so receptive to such things, as an Echo Scholar would be, <laughs> you, you absorb that. You become, they become a part of you, uh, which works through your art as well as through your person. Uh, what do you think? Yes, I think that, um, well, yeah, when you talk about echo scholarship and sort of intellectual curiosity, and a, a good reason to tell a young actor to think about getting a liberal arts degree mm. Um, mm. is because make, the ability to look at one thing and make a connection in your brain mm. to another thing is, is something that you have to, you can develop. Yes. And that's what, um, I think that's what creativity is all about. And that's what um, connecting people is about, right? Mm. So if you meet somebody one day and you you remember that they like that they're writing a book about waffles, yes. then the, you know the next time you meet somebody else who talks about waffles, you know you can sort of make those connections exactly. and help people out. Exactly, and I love that yeah. we become the we personify the the connection between the dots. It's a marvelous feeling. Yeah. Marvelous feeling when yeah. you bring people together. What, yeah. Tell us something about what what you feel was your first big break, for lack of a better word, as an actor in New York. How did that come about? What What are your memories? Oh gosh. Mm -hmm. um, well, there's. I think there's like a, a different set of them. For me, it was very important when I I was cast in a national tour of the Buddy Holly story. Oh yes. Uh, and I did that for a little under a year. And that was my first sort of big production contract. And really, it can be, it, it was just a new bar, mm. I think. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're traveling the country and you're doing a show for so many different, so many performances, you kind of get in your bones, oh, this is what it is. This is what a long run is. Exactly. And yeah. it's quite something. I mean, it's it's... It's uh, demanding, to be sure, when in New York City itself, but when on the road, it's a whole nother level and, and layer of challenges. Uh, touring right. is, uh, not everybody can tour. I, I sort of think that when you're young, you perform for your, for your family, mm. and then... You get to, and then you come to New York and you start performing for your friends. Mm -hmm. But you you really you're really making it when you're performing for strangers, and it doesn't feel as good sometimes mm -hmm. <laughs> because nobody comes up and sees you afterwards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but that's the goal is to perform for strangers. Yes. But keep at it until you can do that. You have any acting tips for us? Oh God. <laughs> uh, yes. Just, uh, I, I was just talked to a university class about this. My, my acting tip, okay, the acting career tip is just keep working on the art of it and the, yes. the craft and uh, sharpening your own, you know, your, your own skills because it's, um, it's reward, it's useful for getting jobs, but it's also the, the most rewarding part of it. It really is. You're absolutely yeah. right. Wow. Yeah, and it never goes away. It, the opportunity to to work on your skills just doesn't go. You know, it won't go anywhere. 
And then just a, an acting tip for, in the other sense of a tip, would be just to just know what a scene is about. Mm. Um, the scene, there's a reason why, think of it as a writer's point of view, there's a reason why the scene is there, what is actually happening. It does, if you come at it from a place of a little bit of insecurity or or you can you can really mess yourself up if you sort of think, well, it's about it's this character, it's about my character and whether I can emote enough. And it usually is just, well, aren't they just playing a tennis game? Beating <laughs> 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 the other person in the tennis game? Yeah. Something like that. And, you know, it, it, and it comes down to that. Of course, we have to bring things to a role. But the point of the acting, I think, is still, it's about people. It's about their relationship. It's about their character and how they intersect. And a lot of acting is about the, the everyday uh, actions and reactions of daily living. Does that make sense? Yes. And yeah. yes, that's why Uta Hagen in her book has you do the lost key exercise, right? Oh yes, like, yes, yes. Just explore in your own apartment. Try to remember. Try to imagine that you've lost your keys and you're looking around for them. What does that be like? That's an <laughs> action. Yes. You know whether you're doing that, you know, because you've just been broken up with, or or because you're you're trying to go pick up your lottery winnings. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll will inform it, but it's something. It's just the, the, the action of getting your keys, right? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I want to, before we have to go, which is soon, is let's circle back a bit and remind people that you are an Echo Scholar, UVA graduate who moved to New York City, uh, pursued an acting career, and started her own company, Letter Perfect Transcribing. What takeaway? Yeah. Give us what takeaway. What people and contact information you want to give us before sure. we have to go? Okay, well, I'm Letter Perfect Transcription, uh, Joanna, at letterperfecttrans.com. And the website is letterperfecttrans.com. The first part of the word transcription after the words letter and perfect. And I'd love to hear from you. And then also I just wanted to bring in there because it's so um, talked about now, there's a there's a, a clip on the internet. It's a sort of a, a rage right now that where some people listen to it and hear the word Yanni. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, yes. And some people listen to it and hear yes. the word Laurel. Yes. Um, and I, I just have to talk about that as a as a transcriber because this is exactly why the computers can't take over the world just yet because it just takes human context mm. to figure out what that word is in a sentence. Because different ears hear different frequencies, and and I personally heard Yanni at first. Mm-hmm. Give that straight up, but I but I would uh, I would know by context what to uh, what to type. That's fantastic, and you know, and I had heard about that. I am going to have to visit that then and see what I hear, and I'll get back to you. <laughs> yes, please do. Please do. All right, we have been talking to the extremely talented Joanna Parson, uh, both as the actor she is, and of course the business uh-huh. owner of Letter Perfect Transcription. We hope you will visit her in both capacities and reach out, as they say. Joanna, thank you so very much for being on the show today. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and incredibly informative and energetic and all those wonderful things. All the best to you and and your not only Letter Perfect, but in your acting career, of course. Enjoy, okay? Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye now. Bye. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. 
At the Indie Film Minute, we admire the spirit of filmmakers who simply make it happen. Trust us, a career in filmmaking is no easy task, and when opportunities do not present themselves, we salute those who refuse to turn away and simply make their own opportunity. Soul Proprietor is a dark noir puzzle writhing in the gutter of hopelessness. It was written, produced, and directed by Dan Everly, who also stars as Crowley, a burned-out CIA dark asset. Done with a job, Crowley wants a new identity and a new life, and he knows how to get it. He contracts with a mob who will, for a fee, provide the new identity. But then they change the deal. Instead of paying cash, he will do a job for them. While waiting for details, Crowley turns to the internet for companionship. There he meets Sophie, a femme fatale, with an agenda of her own. She senses that Crowley from the internet has the skills she needs, and subtly she zeroes him in on her own target. There are twists and turns and ugliness behind every corner, and in the end, enough turns can bring you back to your start. A dangerous place to be. Sole Proprietor. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, here with my pets and pet peeves, hoping you'll join me in a wake-up cup of coffee. Beating the memory lane crowd. Now that turkeys shop before Black Friday, it's not surprising that some media personality shows are rushing into 2013 year-end memories before it's even Christmas Eve. Most of us know memories recapture us and replay in the twinkling of an eye, an aromatic breeze, a squeeze of the shoulder, or in the moment of that burned taste after a fire. Faster than a mouse-clicked link, you're back to that owl in the woods. First kiss, wedding day, first shared Christmas tree, or moment of silence. Memories take us back to rain on a tin roof, our car driving us the long way home, an uncle's cackle, fireplace crackling, an aunt's knowing smile, grandma's special homemade icing, barking dogs, parents independently slipping a few twenties into your palm, and there you are, back at the beginning of the roller coaster ride, inhaling all of a teenager's unknowns, smelling the sweets before tasting the bitter, the sound of the wind and the chilly feel of snow in our face, blowing hair backwards and propelling dreams forward. Imagine Utah, Colorado, and Virginia easing toward cuddling up to justice and equality for all, despite some being drag-queened forward, kicking and screaming in their red boots. When friends share memories with me, I remember who, what, and why I celebrate in life. Mostly, it's lifelong friends, Lance and Pamela, Mercedes McCambridge, or newcomers, Boomy, Bill, Daniel, and Michelle. Chance meetings on the streets of New York City, like hailing a cab for Carol Channing, a chatty stroll with Colin Dewhurst, James Whitmore, and Tommy Toon, a gracious nod from passing Glenn Close and Tony Randall, quite literally running into Nathan Lane and Jack Lemon. Jane Alexander's thank you, an answered note from Julie Harris, telephone chats with Celeste Holm, book signing with Pavarotti, supervising Juilliard students during an invited-only rehearsal of Placido Domingo's Met conducting debut, and a moment backstage at Ford's Theatre with Rosalind Russell. 
The point is not name-dropping, or tears during Oscar night memorials, or even how much I miss Peter O'Toole, who I never met, or Mom, who I'll never forget. The point is, every moment is a memory in the making, and every one a reason for celebration, and tis the season every day, in every way. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world.